walk in Yerushalayim. And we're going to learn a little bit about the parasha of Truma. Parasha Truma, Tavshin Pei Gimel Basuli Mikdash. I want to remind you that this shear is donated in memory of Ophir Agassi, Sichrono Lidvracha, by his loving family. And that uh, Ophir was a student in the yeshiva, and we were very close uh, before he passed away. The parasha of Truma begins a series of parashiyot dedicated primarily to the matter of the Mishkan. And in the middle of these parashiyot, these are Truma and by Yakel and Pekudei, but in the middle, Itisa, is a parasha that tells us the story of the Egel Azahav, of the golden calf. The Ramban has already taught us there are, that there are two basic parts of the book of Shemot. The first part being Yitziat Mitzrayim. And the second part being Shemot Va'era Bo B'Shalach. And then starting from Yitro, the new order. After the Egel's Azahav, what world is going to be created by B'nai Yisrael under the direction of Moshe Rabbeinu accepting the directives of HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Says there's something, something new is happening, something that never happened before and never could happen before. And the first of that, one of the first psukim in the parasha of Truma, I have it here and there, the sheet Vasuli Mikdash Vishakanti Bitokam. That's what it says. Vasuli Mikdash means make for me a temple. Make for me a temple which sounds like it sounds like HaKadosh Baruch who is saying to us, I need something. I need a table, I need a place to dwell. I need a mikdash. Now it's quite obvious that Rashi has trouble with this, uh, with this fact, and so Rashi says, "Oh, it is the simple meaning of the pasuk." So Rashi says, "Vasali mikdash," and he and he explains it, "Vasulishmi," do it in my name, do it for my name. Put a plaque on a building, but it's not like I need a building. That's not what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to think according to Rashi. Again, Vasuli Mikdash, they will make for me a building, Mikdash, a place. Rashi explains Vasuli Shmi Beit Kedusha. They will make in my name, for my name, not for me, it's not like I need it, but it'll be the place of Hashem. Rashi himself denies this pshat, right? He himself denies. If you look in the the next pasuk in the sheet, v'noadeti lechasham, I will meet up with you there. That's what Hakadosh Baruch says to Moshe Rabbeinu. V'dibarti itcha, and I will speak to you me'al hakaporet from above. From beyond the kaporet, the kaporet was the cover of the Aron Hakodesh. And on this, I guess the kaporet, even though it's not perfectly clear, in the in the temple of Shlomo Amelech, the kruvim was standing on the ground. But here it sounds like we're saying that the kruvim, the cherubs, were on the kaporet. May al hakaporet. That's where the voice came to Moshe Rabbeinu. Asher al Aron ha'edut, right? They call Asher tzavel tchal, but Israel. That's that's a change. That's something new. That God will speak to Moshe Rabbeinu on behalf of Bnei Israel from the Kodesh Kodeshim. In order for Moshe Rabbeinu to speak, in order for him to hear what HaKadosh Baruch has to say, there has to be a Mishkan. That's the tabernacle. 
no tabernacle, no divati yitcha, because divati yitcha now is connected to a place. Even though in the olden times, when Moshe Rabbeinu became God's emissary, it was the burning bush. Where was the burning bush? Someplace. What do you mean someplace? Well, it had no place in particular. That was the status of Moshe Rabbeinu. He was able to hear and converse and talk to HaKadosh Baruch like Adam Harisho. He was able to do it any place. He didn't need a place. But suddenly the thing, everything is changing. Everything is changing. The world is changing. And suddenly you need a mikdash. You need a mikdash. Rashi says, continue with no adati. No adati is the word va'ad in Hebrew. Vav ayin dalet. We'll get together. We'll, we'll, we'll come to, we'll make a committee. Kishe akba, Rashi says, kekba mo'ed lecha ledaber imcha. When I, when I make an appointment, mo'ed, to speak to you, otomakom ekba, lima otomakom, that particular place that we are talking about, the Mishkan, the Mishkan, otomakom ekba, lima'ed, shavo ledaber itcha. Or the very lecha, suddenly talking to Moshe Rabbeinu includes the place. It's not just any place. It's not Moshe Rabbeinu walking around and has the ability to understand what God wants, but it's got to be in that place. We Rashi. That's the Pasukha Bet, right? Pek Cafe Pasukha Bet. Rashi says, Rashi says, the beginning of the book of Ayikra, it, it says, one place it says, the other place it says, means from the top of the uh, Aron HaKodesh, of the Ark. At the second place it says, Me'oel Mo'ed, Le'mor. Right? Le'mor. Ze ha-mishkan, Mi'chutz la-parochet. The parochet is what divides, the parochet is a, 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 a vilon that divides the Kodesh of the Kodesh Kodeshim. And there's another place, Chazal say that that meant that meant ze hamishkan michutz la parochet. The ark, of course, is inside of the parochet. Rashi loves this. So you see, there are two psukim that seem to contradict each other. This is a, a, a well-known technique in the in the uh, interpretation of difficult. Uh, situations. In the difficult situation, the two psukim seem to contradict each other. Moshe ayan nechlas le mishkan. Moshe went into the mishkan. Vekevan sheba betocha petach. And since he came into the mouth of the oil moed, he just walked into the door. There was a door. He walked into the oil moed. Kol roed min hashamayim. The voice came down from heaven. Lebein hakuvim to the point in between the two cherubs that are on top of the 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 or the Aron Hakodesh, umaysham yotzei. From there it went out. Vinishmalu Moshe beol moed. So Moshe made him. So what what is Rashi saying? Rashi saying that it's a little more complicated. It wasn't like Moshe Rabbeinu went in and he heard the voice, but he went into the Oel Moed to the Mikdash. And the voice came down from heaven and sort of kind of bounced off the top of the Aron HaKodesh, which we call, that part's called Kaporet, and came to Moshe Rabbeinu, who was standing on the other side of the parochet. Okay, so again, in spite of the fact that you have an interesting thing to think about, it would seem, it would seem that, that what Rashi is saying is he's emphasizing the fact 
that when Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe Rabbeinu had to listen to something, a message from Hashem, or had to learn the Torah that he was taught B'nai Israel during the 38 years of the desert, he walked into the Mikdash, you needed that Mikdash. Without the Mikdash, without the Mikdash, everything would have stopped. There would have been any directives, Moshe Rabbeinu would not have taught the Torah. There's something here that that is that is curious. Rashi, the last Rashi, that call Israel, I will God will speak to Moshe Rabbeinu and tell him all the things that B'nai Israel are obligated to do. Right? is the Vav of the word Ve'et called. It says Ve'et. And Ve'et, Rashi says, Rashi says, If it's there, if it's there, you don't need it. You should get rid of it. Yitera means extra, and Tvela means unnecessary. Which I think means that there are a lot of extra vavs. The letter vav appears sometimes unnecessarily. And it doesn't matter if you have it or you don't have it. And this is what it means. When the Pasuk says, I will speak to you there, and call Asher Atzaveh Otcha El Bnei Yisrael El Bnei Yisrael. Everything, in other words, it's not Ve'et. It's not two different sources, right? It's just one source. It's just one source. So we see, we see that the 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 pasuk seems to indicate that building the Mishkan has something to do with the communication between HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Moshe Rabbeinu, and B'nai Yisrael. And that communication, even though it existed previously in Matan Torah, existed previously in Matan Torah, nevertheless, something is changing. Something is changing in, 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 in the Matan Torah. It was kind of ad hoc. Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Har Sinai. All the people were at Har Sinai at the beginning, the beginning of the Matan Torah. They were all there. All the people were there receiving the Torah. And, and, and Kodesh Baruch Hu said to Moshe Rabbeinu, tell them to build a Mishkan. And the reason for building a Mishkan is because that becomes the center of communication. Without the Mishkan, they're not going to get directives. They're not going to know what to do. They're not going to learn the Torah. That's what it says in the in the in the pasuk. All of that information comes to Moshe Rabbeinu in that particular place. So the building of the Mishkan is the building of a place where the communication between Hakadosh Baruch and Moshe Rabbeinu and Bnei Yisrael takes place. That's something new. That's something new. We didn't know that that has to happen. And of course, it has to happen immediately because the people have to learn the Torah. And so the immediacy of building the Mishkan is in the parashah of Truma, which comes after the parashah of Mishpatim, which finalizes or summarizes Matan Torah and Har Sinai. And so in order for the Matan Torah to continue Right, that to learn Torah. We don't know the Torah yet. We only know the Torah Parshat Mishvatim. We also know about Sham Sablo, Chokum Mishpat, Misham Nisau. All of those things are true. We know those things, but we don't know a lot of Torah. So the Mishkan is being built in order to enable us to learn the Torah. Because without the Mishkan, I guess it, it just wouldn't happen. It wouldn't be possible. It would not be possible. So the parasha of Truma, as the Ramban taught us, is a continuation of Matan Torah, which we now know happened in 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 different uh, uh, steps. Matan Torah, there's the Matan Torah that precedes Arsinai. Let's say Shabbat, Man. The whole story of the man that you have to prepare Arab Shabbat for Shabbat. Well, that's Torah. 
that's that's an indication that we can do the mitzvah or how we do the mitzvah of Shmirat Shabbat. Okay, then there's Har Sinai. Har Sinai is where B'nai Yisrael, they were all there, all the Jews were standing there. They, they learned and they understood uh, uh, from the learning that they did. They understood that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that the idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving us the Torah is, is an idea that, that you can't prove, but you can experience. The people who were there, they all experienced God giving the Torah so that if anybody would come and say, no, it's like, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu is trying to, uh, to fool you. So we would say, no, we were there. We heard it. We got it. We, you know, that's our Sinai. Then comes the idea that Kabbalah Torah, which is something that is open-ended, uh, is, is the parish of Mishpatim. Here's a list of Mishpatim. Here's a list of mitzvot that you have to do beyond what you heard in Har Sinai, the Sarah that they wrote. And these, uh, these mitzvot that you have to, these mitzvot that you have to do, these mitzvot of Mishpatim uh, are enough of, of a content, enough content of the Torah to be able to say Nasev Nishma. They're able to say, we heard, we will do it, right? Even what we didn't hear, we will do because we believe that there can be a Torah. We believe that there is a Torah, right? In order to continue the learning, after they left Har Sinai, after they were no longer, I mean, of course, Moshe Rabbeinu, the second time Moshe Rabbeinu went up, he, he apparently learned the rest of the Torah. He didn't learn how to set it up on the, and the Sefer Torah, maybe. But he learned the rest of the, of the Torah, okay? And so then, I, I noted the fact that there's another Pasuk. Perk of Ted Pasuk Membet says this, Olat Tamid, Olah is a type of sacrifice that's completely burnt up. The word Tamid, Rashi says, Biyom el yom. Tamid, this could be used to tell me about something that happens daily. As long as there's no day in between. So we know that the korban that we call a korban tamid was given twice a day, every day of the year. Every day of the year. And Rashi said, that's what tamid means. Tamid doesn't mean an unbroken series, but even if it's broken, as long as it's consistent or constant, if it comes up every day. Back to the Pasuk, Olatamid, Lidorotechem is a word that describes forever. Tamid is every day, and Lidorotechem is forever. Petachoed at the opening of the Oemoed, the Olamoed is the Mishkan, Lifnei Hashem. Before Hashem, Lifnei Hashem has that name, that word Panim in it, the face of Hashem, which is something face-to-face. It's a kind of face-to-face attitude. It doesn't mean each face is facing the other, but it means close, together. Asher Iva Eid Lechem Shama, I will meet up with you there. Where? Where is there? Petach Olmo Eid Lifnei Hashem. Wow. When I make an appointment to see you, I will see you there. That's where I will meet up with you. So Rashi reminds us that in the Gemara, the following interpretation is offered. That above the copper Mizbeach, that's the Mizbeach that was inside the Olmoed. There's the place that God spoke to Moshe. Mashahu 
from the time that the Mishkan was established. The Yeshomrim, that's one opinion. The other opinion is Mi'al HaKaporet, that God spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu from above the Kaporet. The Kaporet was that part of the Aron HaKodesh on the, on the top, on the top part of the Aron HaKodesh. Ki Moshe Ne'emar, he quotes a posuk, Divarti Yitcha Mi'al HaKaporet. I speak to you from above the kaporet, v'asher yivaed lachem ha'amurkan, and the pasuk here which says, when I make an appointment to see you, e'no amur ala mizbeir, is not talking about the altar, ela al-omo'ed, aniskar b'mikra, but it's talking about the omo'ed. So you, so you see that Rashi, the way Rashi understood what was happening, in the several psukim that we quoted, Rashi said, Rashi said, there's a change. It's not Moshe Rabbeinu walking around in the desert and communicating with the Kodesh Bohu, but the, 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 uh, Mikdash that B'nai Yisrael are enjoined to build becomes the place of communication, the place where they're meeting together, the place where Moshe Rabbeinu continues to learn the Torah that he's going to teach B'nai Yisrael. So that you might say, you might say the religious idea had changed from the time that B'nai Yisrael thought perhaps that they could, uh, they could turn the world into God's world. And if they turn the world into God's world, then God will be available any place. But after the Chet HaEgel, maybe before also, you know, before we know there's going to be a Chet HaEgel, we won't get involved with that today. But we know, we know that, that there's a change that takes place that B'nai Israel can no longer expect communication to be without territory, be without a place, to be without a Mishkan, to be without specifically designated Mishkan. We can't we can't assume that we can't assume that at all. So that that actually I think uh, uh, is problematic. I mean on both ends there's a problem. One end is why is that? Why the change? Why do we need the Mishkan? Well, we had we had before the Mishkan was seen what was okay. So the Ramban, in his long interpretation at the beginning of the Parsha of Truma, tries to explain to us that the Mishkan equals Matan Torah, that the elements of the experience of receiving the Torah at Har Sinai are there in the Mishkan, which means, I think, that in the 38 years of the desert, when Moshe Rabbeinu taught B'nai Yisrael, when Moshe Rabbeinu taught B'nai Yisrael, Moshe Rabbeinu taught B'nai Yisrael the Torah, it was in imitation of the events at Har Sinai. Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Hashem, he received information. He came down and gave it to B'nai Yisrael. This went on for 38 years and had to go on, according to the according to these psukim, had to be in the context of, of the Mishkan. And the reason the Ramban says it had to be in the context of the Mishkan is because the, the Mishkan was the conduit to Torah. The Mishkan was conduit to Torah. However, it was not it was not obvious how this was going to work when the people came to Eretz Yisrael. I, I mean, they had a Mishkan when they crossed the river. They had a Mishkan, and it was a kind of Mishkan that was built in a way that you could take it apart and put it together again. And all we know is that 
the Aron HaKodesh was put into a more permanent place. That more permanent place was first Gibbon and then uh, Shiloh. And uh, after Shiloh, after Shiloh there was It was a short time in, in Nova and Gibbon. I mean, whatever it was, whatever it was that was put around from one place to another, it wasn't quite the Mishkan. And 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 it's not clear, not clear to me in any event why it is that during that the next four hundred years, B'nai Yisrael were unable to complete the mission of capturing. Yerushalayim and building the Beit HaMikdash. I mean, they knew that the Mishkan was a kind of precursor of the Mikdash. But 400 years seems to me to be a very long period of time when they were unable to achieve what they were supposed to achieve. Now, there's a posseg in Yoshua, Perkut Chet Posseg, we see that posseg. This is the time of Yoshua Binun. They all came to Shiloh. And they do, let it dwell. Let, let the Oel Moed, the, the tent, which was what we call the Mishkan. That was what they brought with them from the desert. Right, and and the whole all the land, as Rashi will point out, became became theirs. Rashi says, "Vayeshkinu shamet olmo eid, vayeshkinu shamet olmo eid shasuba vidbar." Right, the olmo eid which was done in the in the desert, we call the Mishkan. Below ayasham tikra, and in the desert it didn't have a roof. Didn't need a roof. Didn't rain. There were stones. Well, you walked on the stones and the curtains were on the sides. is in the Gemara. The land was captured. Moshe Mishkan, um, uh, when the Mishkan was established, its place was established in Shiloh, Aitaha Aretz Nochalikavesh Lipnechenbi became easier to uh, capture the land because the land was already designated after the, the land was captured and divided up, it was designated to be part of. Uh, God's God's world, so if it was God's world, it was easier for them to to capture it. Pasukin Divrei Amim. It was these these pesukim. This pasukin Yoshua uh, show us that that during the four hundred years from the time they came into Eretz Canaan and the time that the Beit Hamikdash was built, there was always some kind of mikdash. There was always something that established the relationship between B'nai Yisrael and the land of Canaan. And that relationship was that if there's a mikdash, if there's a mikdash in the land of Canaan, the relation, the 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 fact is that B'nai Yisrael established the property of Kedan as the property of HaKadosh Baruch within the larger sense of property that, you know, God owns everything. But God owns some things in particular. And the place of the Mishkan was a particular kind of, a particular kind of ownership. And God spoke to the angel, Vayashim Charbo El Nedana. And he put his, the 
sword back into its sheath. But Eita Hebrew Ot David at that time David Amelech saw Ki Anahu Hashem Begorin Arnan that God responded to him in the place called Gorin Arnan Ayebusi, a member of the tribe that was dominant in Yerushalayim by his Sham and he and he sacrificed. Umishkan Hashem Right, Mishkan Hashem, and the same Mishkan. O Mizbacha Ola ba Eitahi bipama begibon, and Mizbacha Ola, Mizbacha Ola means the big altar on which the Ola sacrifice was given. Remember the first pasuk we saw, Tamid, ba Eitahi bipama begibon. They were they were after Shiloh. And David was not able to go before him the drosh Elohim So you have these psukim, I mean the Malach Hashem is not our concern right now, but we'll look at the, at the Rashi. What what is of our concern is that the Mishkan that was built in the desert for the purposes of re- primarily for receiving the Torah, primarily receiving the Torah was was continued until the building of the Beit HaMikdash by David HaMelech and Shlomo HaMelech. Started, started by David, but uh, Shlomo HaMelech did it. In that uh, I mean, the important thing for us is that there was a mikdash. That there always was a mikdash, even after after the uh, the Torah was taught by Moshe Rabbeinu at the end of the of the of the book of Devarim. The Torah is given out to all the different tribes. Let's just finish these Rashi's. Rashi's Vayom Hashem the Malach Lashiv Charbo. So Hashem said to the Balach, don't do it. And he did it. He took his sword and he put it in the sheath. And he vomited up Yonah. The same thing happened that that the, the emissary of God looked like he was about to kill Yoda, but he didn't. Same thing here. This whole story is not written down in the book of Shmuel. And and it's and a sort of an appendix in honor of David. That's what David is. We are reminded. This is also something that we could look into on another occasion. Um, the last pasuk, Mizbacha Ola, Shal Moshe. Mizbacha Ola. It's like you're pointing at it. You're pointing to an existing Mizbeach. Mizbacha Ola, Shal Moshe. It was at that time still being used in Givon, right? That's the place that uh, they went to was before going to Yerushalayim. 
רש"י, שהיה אותו מעשה שציפה לו הקדוש ברוך הוא להעלות קורבן, the fact that God directed משה, דוד המלך to sacrifice, לא היה דוד יכול ללכת לפניו לדרוש אלוהים, he could not go before God and make a demand. כלומר, לפני המזבח אשר בגבעו, that's לפני אלוקים, זה לפני המזבח, כי נבעט מפני חרב מלאך השם, he was afraid that the angel would use his sword, והלך דוד כדברי השם, ובנה מזבח ועדהו השם. Okay, so there's a little bit of tension here, but we understand that David HaMelech was able, was able to create a situation where the sacrifice could be given even though the Beit HaMikdash had not yet been built. So I want to say, I, want to, I mean, this is what we, we've been learning together and we understand that the Mishkan, that the Mishkan is... Uh, It has a particular purpose, and its purpose was allowing Moshe Rabbeinu to receive the authentic information, information about the Torah, and that enabled Moshe Rabbeinu to teach the Torah to B'nai Yisrael. But after the Torah was taught to B'nai Yisrael, what exactly is the point of having a Mishkan? Or another way of asking the question is, what about today? I mean, it's true that the punishment of B'nai Yisrael and their exile is somehow, is somehow a reflection of, of the fact that doing certain mitzvot is impossible for people who are not spiritually refined. And just to do the mitzvah doesn't really make any any sense because they're not worthy. We can say, what's the Mishkan? What's the Mishkan? The Mishkan is the place that guaranteed the Torah. Guaranteed the Torah? Wow, that sounds like a really important important thing. But how does B'nai Israel relate to that after the Torah was taught to them by Moshe Rabbeinu? What is it that the Mishkan is supposed to be doing? And if I knew what the Mishkan was supposed to be doing after the Book of Tvarim, so then I would know what the, more about the purpose of the Mishkan. But I'm missing out here. I'm missing out something. So let's look together. We'll look at a, at a chapter of the Tanya. You know, the Tanya is a, is a book that was written for the Jewish people by the, uh, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe. It's a little bit, uh, it has difficulties, but we're going to learn a little bit together. And that will give us an answer to our question. In Mudadzo, he says, let me just highlight it, underline it. In Mudadzo, there's something that you know. Shavot, Avot is Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Ein heina Merkava. Merkava is a chariot. They were God's chariot. God somehow rested upon them. But what is interesting about this statement that is found in Chazal several times, that, that the Merkava designates a place. You can't have a Merkava that's no place. It's some place. And the, and the Merkava is made up of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. She kol yimeihem la'olam lo'evsiku at all the days of their lives, they didn't stop even for a moment, says they, the Avot, were always connected to God. To them, that was, that was normal. That was the way you were supposed to be. And And whatever, they didn't need anything in this relationship. Everything was nothing. Any, I mean, what could you do? You say, listen, excuse yourself before God and come and have a salami sandwich. No, it can't be. There's nothing like that. 
He says, "Leyichudo yitbarach." To to know about the oneness of God. Vachrehem kol hadaviim, and after the avot, after the avot came the viim prophets. Kol echad lefim adregat nishmato. This is kind of a takeoff on the Rambam. That that you know the prophets could be divided up by by the level of prophecy, by the level of spirituality. They're not all the same. Ve'hi what he's able to understand. Umadregat Moshe Rabbeinu alaba shalom. He ha'ole al-kulana. Moshe Rabbeinu was unique. He was more uh, more spiritual than the others. After all, they said about Moshe Rabbeinu, that the Shechina, another name for God, speaks from his throat. That's how close they are. And Moshe Rabbeinu says words, and, and, and the words are the words of, of God. When did Moshe Rabbeinu do that? When he gave the Torah. When he gave the Torah, he didn't just give the ideas of the Torah, but he gave the word for word of the Torah. And because of that, because of their ancestors, Abram, Israel, Yaakov, and then Moshe, they they merited standing at Har Sinai. But, but it was too much for them. Because we read the First chapters of Tvarim, but Moshe Rabbeinu describes the giving of the Torah. So he says that the people were not prepared for the kind of experience that how, that uh, that Har Sinai was, and they didn't want to repeat it. Kimamar Razal, Every one of the Ten Commandments, when God gave them, they all died. That's because in order to receive the Torah from Hashem, directly from Hashem, you have to cease to exist. Because giving the Torah can only be in the world of the Spirit. And the world of the Spirit is something that you have to deny the reality of your existence. And therefore, God told them, all these people, And in there, in the Mishkan, there's the Holy of Holies, the Shechina will dwell there, This is a, the way we are aware of his uniqueness. God's uniqueness. Okay, so we'll understand. That's what it says in the Gemara in several places. The Gemara at the beginning, Sukkah, Arba Amot Shel Halacha. What are Arba Amot Shel? Arba Amot are four cubits of Halacha, which I think means that the Halacha is very precise. If you make kiddush, you have to have enough wine. If you have a lulav, you have to have a kosher lulav. There are there are regulations about things, and what do these regulations do? According to this this uh, statement in the Gemara, that Arba Amot Shel Halacha, Arba Amot Shel Halacha, the four cubits of Halacha, meaning Torah Shabal Peh, Shuritz Ono Yit Barach Bichokmato, they equal, they equal Shuritz Ono Yit Barach Bichokmato, Umilubashim Melchot Aruchot Lifadenu, and they are designated by the all the different halachot that are a part of doing what the Torah wants us to do. And therefore, 
He says, when a person thinks carefully and decides to uh, become nothing, as much as he is able, he will return to his heart, he becomes limited. He becomes, he becomes somehow he becomes like a Merkava. That's how we started out the chariot. Umishkan is a tabernacle. To kind of be able to think about the oneness of God. Because there are things that are very hard to think about in any other way. Okay, I didn't translate all the words at the end, but I want to tell you what it is that the uh, that the Tanya is saying. We are the way we are is Gashmi. We we have to eat, we have to sleep, we have to take care of ourselves. Sometimes we get sick, and that uh, kind of takes up all our time and energy. So we're basically we're basically Gashmi. But we we know that the possibility that we would come become Ruhani. I mean that that exists, and that somehow that's what the Torah wants of us, if not to achieve Ruhani Yud spiritual, but at least to catch on to it, to, to be able to claim it, to come near to it. And so we have this wondrous model of Matan Torah. And the wondrous model of Matan Torah is that at Har Sinai, everybody, everybody was was special. The, the uh, Gashmiut, the reality of us, was not playing such a such a uh, such a role, and you know the Chachamim said you every time they heard one of the Ten Commandments they all died. What does that mean? What do you mean they all died? How do they know they all died? Well, because the experience of confronting Hakadosh Baruch Hu face face to face face to face made it impossible for them to remain Gashmi. To, to remain in the world of the practical and of the real. And every time they heard one of the Ten Commandments, they passed into a, a world that was spiritual. And that spiritual world was not accessible to the physical body of B'nai Israel. And so, and so after Matan Torah was given the first time in Tvarim, the people came to Moshe Rabbeinu and said, we don't want, we don't want anymore. We can't do it. It's too hard for us. It's too difficult to leave the world of the, of the practical and go into the world of the, of the spiritual and we have to die because our bodies are not made for that kind of transference. So HaKadosh Baruch said, there'll be a Mishkan. And the Mishkan will be the great enabler. Be the great enabler. It'll, it'll make it possible for people to come close to the Shekhinah, but not Har Sinai. It's uh, Moshe Rabbeinu's Har Sinai. It's not the original Har Sinai, but it's like the original Har Sinai. And so the parish of Truma says that the reality or that the spiritual achievement of Har Sinai can be continued 
it can be duplicated, it can be remade. And when the Jews came to 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 uh, Eretz Kedan, they knew that they did not have the wherewithal to do it then. The Kodesh Baruch said, get rid of the idolatry. And they weren't really able to do that until finally they were able to capture Haram and rebuild the Beit HaVikdash. And this was a process. But it was difficult. It was difficult. So what do we do today? How do we live? I mean, I understand we're being punished, but how do we live without the Beit HaMikdash? I mean, it's a, it's a great punishment, but what do we do? How do we, how do, we do it? So the, the Balatanya said, it's the Arba Amos Shel Halacha. The Torah is Halacha. If you get into the halacha, if you like part of it, if you understand that the limits of the Torah after the Mishkan, the limits of the Torah are the halacha. Because the halacha is the great enabler, just like the Mishkan was the great enabler for people to get closer to God. Panim el panim. The Torah which talks about limits and measurements and, and, and things that uh, continue to exist no matter what the situation in the world is. There's all of that. Arba Amot, it's called Arba Amot Shel Halacha. So we have to learn or to teach ourselves that the Halacha takes the place of the Mishkan. And even though there is no Mishkan, and I can't do what the Mishkan said I could do, and the Ramban cannot convince me that the Mishkan operates on its own without divine intervention, nevertheless, we have morphed ourselves into a community that believes that Talmud Torah, the Arba Avos of Talmud Torah, make the difference. That's what we are today. We don't have a Mishkan, we don't have a Mizbeach, and we don't have Torben Tamid. All of that is missing. All of that would bring us close to HaKadosh Baruch But we do have, what we do have is the Arba Amot, Arba Amot Shel Halacha. Shehu no Yit Barach Bechok Just want to make sure you see that. Just one second, and we're almost finished. Yeah. You see, you see that? Ela arba amot shel halacha shehu ritzono yit barach v'chokvato. In other words, if you learn the Torah, you're learning ritzono yit barach v'chokvato, just like when you learned the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu taught you in the desert, you were learning God's will and what God had to say. And so it was not only information that you received from Moshe Rabbeinu, but it was the primary experience of the life of the religious personality. Okay. Have a good day. All the best. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you. Shabbat shalom. Thank you. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom.